Several years ago, um, I uh, ministered in several prisons in the state of Alabama, and uh, so I had great opportunities to have conversations with um, many prisoners. In one evening, I had preached on the Lordship of Christ, and afterwards, there was a one of the inmates came up and began to talk with me, and uh, that he was under great conviction about smoking. And, and I went on to explain, I'm like, this is not one of the unpardonable sins, and it's not a sin unto death, and all of those things. He goes, no, you don't really understand. I, I'm just really under heavy burden about smoking, and I've tried and tried to quit smoking, and it just didn't work. I'm like, well, you know, it's not really, a, you know, it's, it's not a thing that, you know, it's going to send you to hell and all of these things. He goes, no, you don't really understand. I'm just under great conviction. I said, well, I have got the perfect stop smoking plan for you. He goes, well, what is it? I said, well, here's the deal. The next time that you want to smoke, I want you to light that cigarette up, and I want you to look up into the sky, and I want you to look up to God and say, God... I'm going to smoke this to your glory. And he said, I would never do that. I said, you're absolutely right. So quit smoking. I don't know what he did after that. But tonight, I want to talk to you about how we can glorify the Lord in all that we do as we would live a consecrated life. So open your Bibles this evening to Colossians chapter 3, and we'll be looking at verse 17 this evening. Now, Colossians, as we know, as I've preached many times from this book, Colossians was written by Paul. He's in prison, and it was written to the church of Colossae. It was to refute false doctrine. It was to refute heretical teaching that actually threatened the very existence of the church at that time. The first two chapters are about doctrine. They're about doctrine of the church, such as the deity of Christ, salvation through Christ alone and not by works of men or by legalism and various other things. And then beginning in chapter 3, Paul instructs how these doctrines then are to be played out practically in the lives of the Christian. Okay, it's one thing to know all the doctrine, but it's another thing to apply them to your life. And so he begins to explain this. We previously looked at verses 1 through 4, seeking and setting our minds on things above and not on things below, as this will result in us sharing glory with Christ one day. Uh, we've looked at verses 5 through 9, considering our old body as dead and putting it aside, all its characteristics, and consider that Christ has given you a new self, that there is a new person instead of that old person that is being renewed now in the image of Christ. Uh, we've looked at verses 10 through 13, and we discussed that as chosen by God, we are to put on this new man that truly is clothed to resemble Christ. This new man is to resemble Christ. We've talked about Verse 14, to put on love, and we heard about that this morning. But to put on love, which is truly the, 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 the ultimate unifier of the body of Christ. And then we actually began to discuss two of these three imperatives that begin in verse 15. Verse 15 says, let the peace of Christ 
rule, which means to umpire all of your life. The peace of Christ is obviously the result of salvation. The war between you and God is now over. You now have peace with God, and therefore you can have the peace of God. And so we're to let that rule. The peace of Christ umpires your life, obviously, when we obey and comply with his commands. In verse 16, we looked at, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. And we talked about how to give that, uh, you know, a, a, a home with us. You know, as it would be, not sparingly, it's a metaphor of letting the Word of God live in you and then obviously influence your life for good. So tonight we want to talk about that third imperative in verse 17, whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father giving thanks through him to God the Father. This verse really is a challenging verse. It's convicting. But it's also soothing to the heart of the believer seeking to live a consecrated life. One that is set aside unto the Lord Jesus Christ. It is actually a mission statement for a consecrated life. One that is truly set aside for the glory of the Lord Jesus. So tonight we want to look at whosoever you, whatsoever you do. Whatsoever you do. I want to look at do all in the name. Then we'll look at the name of the Lord Jesus. And then lastly, we'll look at giving thanks. So let's begin with whatever you do. It says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, whatever you do is, once again, a significant statement. It's not to be taken lightly. Uh, Many times we just read this and we just keep moving on. It's repeated later on in verse 23. In verse 23, it says, whatever you do, do your work heartily. Whatever you're working in, do it heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. It's repeated again. Uh, you know, and just, just before I leave there, that word heartily means actually, in, in the Greek, it means the breath really of life, the breath of life, the soul. So when you're doing whatever work you're doing, it, it, we're to do it deep from our soul as for the Lord, rather than men. And and the same thing is mentioned in 1 Corinthians 10, whether then you eat or drink, or once again, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So back in in verse 17 here, we begin, you know, in the Greek, this this, this verse begins with an and, okay? And when it begins with an and, obviously then, it relates back to what has already been said. And truly, so verse 17 is really a summarization of all that Paul has written here in this chapter, in this, this chapter 1 through 16, these verses here, regarding the character of this new man. Okay, he's, he has covered the heart, he's covered our actions, he's covered our speech, he's covered relationships, and now he's going to wrap it all together. For those that would say then, but you know, God didn't talk about this. You know, you have those people. 
I know what God said, but he didn't say this. So what Paul is laying out here, for those that would say, well, you know, he didn't mention this. He says, okay, whatever you do, whatever you're doing, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is throwing out a net that goes everything goes over everything in our lives. It's over everything. You can't compartmentalize your life is basically what he's saying. This covers it all. It's just not just parts of it. He's basically saying there's to be a complete commitment to Christ. Everything and every moment do in the name of the Lord Jesus. So many times, you know, we come to the Lord, we start out as new believers, we do really well. We're excited. We were talking about that this morning you're, you're just like a Christmas puppy, man. You're just like, man, you're telling everybody everything. And, man, you want to do everything. You want to give everything right. But, you know, then life kind of goes on and just kind of wears down a little bit. And, you know, we become a little bit complacent, complacent in what we're doing, et cetera. And we, then we begin to kind of work for ourselves a little bit. You know, we kind of think about, well, you know, I've got my rights. I've got rights, you know, and then, you know, we're looking at, well, what so-and-so thinks about what I'm doing or what's so-and-so going to think about what I'm saying. And so we lose the point as it would be even for pursuing righteousness in our daily lives. We kind of lose the point here when we start to think about those things. Paul commands though, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it for the Lord Jesus. So what is the whatever? Once again, we go back to the Greek, and I know we're not supposed to talk about the Greek a lot in messages, but it, it's a good thing to look at sometimes. The word whatever here is a combination of four words, and these four words are translated everything, anything, whatsoever, and what, whatever. I mean, it kind of covers it all. It hits all the bases. You, you can't come up with something that this does not cover. Nothing is excluded. The definition is broad for whatever. It, it, all the scenarios of your life is included in what Paul is talking about here. Everything in our life. You know, the characteristic of integrity, that, that, that characteristic integrity, it, it's translated in the dictionary as a state of being whole, undivided. A person with integrity is whole. They are undivided, meaning not living multiple lives, not living multiple lives. In other words, that you have a Sunday life when compared to Christianity, we're talking about a man with integrity. He doesn't have a Sunday life and then a six day a week life. Then they're two different lives that what they look like on Sunday, they look like on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. What you look like here in church is what you look like at work. What you look like here on Sunday morning is what you will look like in the neighborhood, what you'll look like in school, wherever you're at. It, it takes in everything. It's honesty from day to day, being true to who you are. So here Paul makes a point that as one chosen, as one raised up with Christ, that we are, are given this new self that whatever you do, Whatever you do, whatever you are doing, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. I mean, it's, it's all to be for that purpose. Now, many are faithful to come to church. Come to church, come to church regularly, worship every Sunday. 
And, you know, here every Sunday. But that's just about it. That's about it. Many times that's about it. Home life doesn't look like Christ. Work life doesn't look like Christ. Priorities of their life don't have Christ in the forefront. I mean, he's in there. He's in the top five. But, you know, he's not number one. He's just in there. You know, there's a lot of significant things in life. There's many people. My wife was a Bible teacher in a local Christian high school for several years. And I remember her talking that the the student says one of the things that was most confusing to them, truly in their own spiritual walk, was the inconsistency in their parents' life. Okay? And that's a pretty big accusation when a child would say that. You know, in other words, what they were saying, at church they're one way, but at home they're another way. You know, the worship of Christ should touch all of our lives. And all of our lives truly should become worship to Christ. And this is really what Paul is saying, is that whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at whatsoever you do, whatever you do. That word do is, is a word that means to perform. To perform, you know, whatever you're the author of, whatever you're doing to cause something. So, it, you know, here it's, it's, it's in conversations, it's in your activity of life. When it, what you're doing in the word or deed, it's, it's everything here. Your words and deeds are always causing something to happen. Do you really understand that? You're, you're always causing something. To, you know, it's been said that you're always witnessing about something. Your words and your deeds are always having an effect. Does it really matter what I do in the world? Does it really matter about my relationships with those around me? I mean, these are things that we talk about sometimes. I come to church. I mean, I read. Do I have to get along with everybody? There's a reality here that you are the author of something in all of your actions. In all of your conversations, you are sending out a message about something. And so once again, does it matter? Well, Scripture states in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says, Give no offense either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Do no harm, in other words. Now, let's just say, at that time, that included everybody in the world. You were either a Greek or you were a Jew, Okay, in, in this instance, you're in the church of God. It was everybody. Do no harm. Give no offense. Your actions do matter. Our actions matter. Our conversations matter. So the question is, what are your words and deeds doing? What are your words and deeds doing? Paul said, whatever you do in word. Now, this... This word, word here is used in the most general sense. It's not just speaking about spiritual conversations. It's not just talking about teaching and preaching. But it's this general conversations. I mean, it, your conversations that you're having. Your words at home. The words at the office. The words over by the coffee pot. Man, there's a lot goes on by that coffee pot in the office. Uh, you know, it's... We, we never got around to it, but I'm like, I always thought about having a little microphone 
over there by the coffee pot. Man, you got the inside scoop on what was going on if you had one of those by the coffee pot. I, I know you don't get into those things, but anyway, you know, this is for other people that would do that. The, all of these words, sentences that begin with, now don't tell anybody, but, you know that conversation? I know you don't have that. I've heard other people do that, but nobody here. You know, I, now don't tell anybody, but you know that. Okay, that's one of those conversations. Every idle word, Scripture tells us, every idle word, we're going to give an account for each one of those in the day of judgment. Man, that, that, I mean, that's a scary thought for me. It's a scary thought. Paul brings significance to all of your conversations. Can you sign Jesus said to the beginning of your conversations or the end of your conversation? That's really what he's saying. Could you sign that? Could you take that whole conversation and right at the end, love Jesus? It's, it's a kind of a challenge for us. That's the reason this is convicting. That everything, all that, every word, every word, every word is to be done in the name of the Lord, even as we sing in our worship. I mean, we've sung some beautiful songs this evening. Are we singing as unto the Lord? Are we singing as to the Lord? Is it just, we're just singing? Are we just singing? You know, James warned of the power of the tongue. He says it's used for blessings and what? Cursing. That's the same tongue. So every word, Paul said, we're to bring it under the lordship, really, of Christ. And then he goes on, he says, in deeds. In other words, whatever action, your behavior, these deeds here are your spiritual activities, leisure life, your work life, your family life. And we're going to talk about some of those next week of these specific things. But Paul already spoke to how to let the word of Christ dwell richly in us. Letting it dwell richly in us is to let the word of God have an influence in my life. Okay, the word of God, if it's going to live with me, be at home with me, feel at home with me, then I'm going to have to let it have a say in what's going on in my life. So how do you respond to the trials of life or even the temptations that come in your life? Is the word of God richly dwelling in you in those days? Or even is the peace of God ruling in you? Is it that umpiring how you feel about these things? Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I mean, this is what he said. Your, your words, your doings, your deeds, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Word or deed here, they're singular, which that means every, every action, every word. And it's amazing. Bring them under the scrutiny of Christ, under the scrutiny of Christ. Paul is casting a net over everything. The, the phrase, whatsoever you do in word or deed, is, is, is a set of the beginning of that sentence for emphasis. Whatever you do in word or deed, do, do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, it's there for emphasis. That's the way they do that. All your life is to be lived out 
for the Lord Jesus. This is what he's saying. So let's look at the name. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now that word Lord, we know that word Lord means master. And here we're talking about master uh, over all of our individual words, all of our works in every moment of life. All of those things in the name of the Lord Jesus. So what does this really mean? In the name of? It, well, it means to do all in his will. Everything you're doing is his will. You're, you're seeking his will for this moment. You're de- seeking his will for this conversation. It also means in his authority. So as sort, you're an agent acting on behalf of a king when you're out there, when you're speaking, when you're in your actions, in your behavior, that, that you represent a king. You're not acting on your own authority. You're not acting on what you want to do. Okay, so once again, according to his will and authority, how do I know then this is really a deal in, in, my, in my conversations and my doings. How do I know if I'm really doing this? How, how do I put this in practice in my life? Well, the first thing to look at is we're, is we're asking this question of this particular situation. You know, is there a command in Scripture? Is there a command in Scripture about this? Okay. Can I lie and cheat on my taxes? God didn't say I can't lie and cheat on my taxes. Now, he said some other things. Can I hate the president of the United States? You know, there's some scripture that prohibits these things. Okay, so there's scripture for it. Now, there's a whole lot of other things that go under that. I'm just throwing a couple of these things out. Not, a, not that you would do this, but there's others that would. Number two, is there a model or example in scripture? Is there a model in scripture that I could apply in this situation, such as, do I have to love everyone? I heard that this morning, man. I'm like, I got to love everybody. We got to love everybody. I mean, do you really believe that? Love everybody? What about sinners? I mean, you got to love all of them? I mean, was, is there something we can find? Is there a model or example in scripture that we could go and answer that question? Well, I don't know. Go to Jesus. You know, he dined with sinners and he talked with prostitutes. Say, so, okay, well, I guess, you know, there's a model example for those things. There's another thing to do, look at too. The number three thing, the, number, the third thing you can do to, to, to make all of your words and your deeds do all in the name of the Lord Jesus is looking, is there a principle to follow? Is there a principle in Scripture to follow or apply to what I'm doing? Should I date a lost person? Now, I'm not talking about me, obviously. Scripture doesn't say anything about smoking pot. I've, I've heard that before. Now, is there principles in God's Word that give guidance to both of these things? I mean... Well, yeah, there's principles to be applied. There's principles to be applied. So once again, is, is there a command in Scripture that I can look at and, and I'll obey that command? Number two, is there a model in Scripture that I can look at who has modeled these type situations? And truly, is there a principle in Scripture? 
So basically, everything truly, the answer is yes. Each one of these things, everything applicable in your life is in this book. I mean, Peter says everything we need for life has been given to us. There's not, God is not holding some, some kind of a knowledge back here in the background. You're not going to get to the, the second or third level here of spirituality, and all of a sudden you understand it. It's all in this book. There's either, it's either commanded in this book, it's modeled in this book, or it's definitely principled in this book to do all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have no authority. We have no authority to redefine what our Lord has written or said. We don't have any authority for that. Revelation 22 says, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. I mean, God didn't write this book as a suggestion for life or as just some, a guideline for you could write the plan of your own life. God wrote this book for us to follow. That every word, every deed, that we could do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So many today try to live on that fringe of Scripture. Where, where's the edge here? How much Christian liberty can I get away with? You know, the, the, you know finding a word or a phrase to, to really justify their sin. Everybody's, you know, there's some that's looking for that. Is there something that justifies my sin? I mean, we see this in the news even now. And it's a, it's a wave even in some churches in the United States today or even in the world today. Finding some way to justify my sin. I just throw it out. Arguments about immorality and homosexuality, they're just natural emotions. And they're okay. I mean, God made us this way. Same-sex marriage, okay, but after all, isn't it all about love? I heard that. It's all about love. Killing unborn children. I mean, that's the person's right. I have my rights. How would you possibly, possibly believe that this is biblical? How would you possibly do that? I, I'm just saying, church family, Paul's statement begs a question to all of us. Can you do any of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus? That's the reality. That's the check. Can I do this? If there's a conviction in your heart, can you do this next thing? Can you say this next thing in the name of the Lord Jesus? You know, what about the sins that you struggle with? I mean, these are some, some pretty interesting things, but what about the sins you struggle with? Is there no scripture that prohibits these activities? Is there no models to follow? Is there no principles to be applied to your life? See, the reality of it is that God wants you to go to his word. And then as you are convicted by the Holy Spirit in his word, you go before him. I'm struggling with this. I need help with this. Help me with this. Give me the power of this. I need power to stop this. Or whatever th these things are, he wants you to be before him. If he is Lord, you are to speak and act in his authority, not your own. We are his agents. 
therefore, you, you are to act as he would, as he would act. We, we used to have these little break. what would Jesus do? I mean, and those are okay things. What would he say about what you should do is a bigger thing. What has he said about what you should do? You know, it, you know you, we are dependent upon him. We are to act in his authority if we are him, if he is Lord of our life. Not only in his authority, but relying on his strength and his power. To do all things in the name of the Lord demands, really, that we go before God. And and, 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 and truly just beg him for the power to do these things. The power and the strength to do these. And we are short-sighted when we do not ask God to empower us to do whatever we are doing. Whatever that is that we are doing, whether it's ministry. If you're going to go out and do ministry, you need to be before the Lord. For, you need to be beseeching him for power. You need his strength. If you're going to speak, go before the Lord. Ask his power, his strength. If you're going to, you know, what the work that you're doing in your family life, be before the Lord. Because why? Because he wants you before him. You're his child if you are born again. If you are born again, we cannot teach, preach, witness without the power of God. We must beseech God for that power. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. It is by him and for his glory. It's by him and for his glory. Once again, as we said, 1 Corinthians 10, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Our words and our deeds are to bring him glory. It needs to bring him glory. People, it would, they would celebrate him by hearing you talk. And I hear this time, time again when people, you know, are saying things. Man, I, that is such a godly person. It's influenced my life. I, I, I remember there was a, there was a, a, a young, well, it wasn't a young, when I was young, there was this, this older LPN scrub nurse, and she was such a godly woman. And, man, if she was talking in that break room, man, you know what she was talking about? The Lord. And, and I was a young Christian at the time, and I said, you know, I used to sit and think, you know, she is a godly person. And I'd say, you know, I just want people to say that about me. I want them to say it about That's all I want them to say. I don't say anything. Else. I just want, that's just all I want. I mean, you know, I'm not going to have a tombstone, so I hear. <laughs> but if I did, I'd just say, you know, He's a godly man. That's all I wanted to say. You don't even put my name on it. Don't put my birthday on it. But people are watching you. They're listening to you. And, and truly, you know, what you are saying, those words, whatever you're doing, your deeds, you're doing for his glory. And so those deeds are to bring glory to him. And when we glorify him, it has an effect on the people around you. You know, there's times... Truly, when we need to deny ourselves, we have to deny ourselves. We have to deny the liberties that we have for his glory. I mean, you know, there's times you have to give up your rights. When you've been wronged and treated unjustly, do you claim your rights? I mean, he was wrong. You know, know, they joke about that Texas defense. He needed killing. I mean, you know, there's a reality. There's people that... They just deserve killing. But you can't do that. You can't do that. 
When people say evil about you, do you respond in bitterness? You know, we, we must think what brings most glory to the Lord. What brings him the most glory? What will further his purpose most? It is for his glory that his name would be the one that's held up. That when you walk away, they would say, man, I see Jesus in that man. I see Jesus in that woman. I see Jesus in that young person. This is where you want the glory to go, to his glory. His name would be remembered and associated with what just took place. For this to be true, every word, every work must conform to the character of Jesus Christ. You know, we, we can't be out there on our own doing what we want to do. What, you know, there's times when what brings me pleasure is not exactly what will bring Christ the most glory or God the most glory. We are to talk and act with the, this awareness of, of, of our union with Christ. I mean, you're one with Christ, and so once again, we live like that. We live like that. Romans eleven thirty six. I mean, we, we have it here. For from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory. Isn't that amazing? If all of that is true, if everything is for him, from him, through him, to him, I mean, all of those things, that's the reality here. If all those things are true, then then we must seek his authority. We must seek his power in our own lives if we're going to live these things out in our life, if we're going to glorify him. And it's our desire that only he will be glorified. You know, Paul lives such a life, and therefore he said in Galatians 2, he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live. Now, he wasn't dead, but he says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So see, Christ, he, he wanted Christ to, to be the one that was most magnified in his life. He wanted to live a life like Christ. He wanted his conversations to, to resound what Christ would say. He wanted his actions to mimic what Christ would have done. To implement really this in our own life, we have to bring all facets of our own lives under his control. We cannot do this in our own mindset. Once again, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 20, whatever you do, whatever you do, whether it's what you eat, what you drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Your words, your actions represent Christ. Christian liberties should always, always be to the honor of God. Yeah, we have many liberties in our life, but they should always honor God and not just gratify ourselves all things 1 Corinthians 10 all things are lawful but all things are not profitable all things are lawful but not all edify they don't all edify and build up build you up build the body up build Christ's reputation up 1 Corinthians 10, 24, he goes on to say, no one seeks his own good but that of his neighbor. So we're to be even thinking in this conversation that I've been thinking more about who I'm talking to than what I'm really saying. I'm thinking about how is that, how is that impacting the one I'm talking to? Those are hard things. That's a hard thing to do. Uh, it, you know, it is, it is. And, and Paul said, be imitators of me. And we always think about how great he was, but this is what he said 
be imitators of me, but only, really, as I am of Christ. Only as I'm of Christ. You know, it's really his motivation was for the glory of Christ that he would bring salvation to many. I mean, his whole preaching was, I'm going to glorify Christ so that, that through me, Christ can be glorified by the salvation of others. It's once again, it's, it's how much do we think about that? Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I, I will say that this name, this name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they could have said to all for the Lord Jesus. They didn't have to, but they said the name of the Lord Jesus. And I really didn't give much thought to that. And, and I was listening to a sermon by a man named Peter Masters. He's actually current pastor of the church that uh, Charles Spurgeon once um, pastor. And in, in his sermon, he gave caution to how this modern name of the Lord Jesus is always just Jesus, not Lord Jesus, which is, I don't think I'd ever really much thought about that. He said that that practice was actually started by a liberal faction of Christianity. They called him Jesus because they did not believe that he was Lord. So they just shortened it. Jesus. Now, through the Gospels, he was always Jesus. Jesus was his given name. There was a lot of Jesuses in those days. A lot of people named Jesus, like John. His name, Lord Jesus, though. He, he stated that we become too familiar at times with the name of the Son of God. I don't think I've really ever thought about that. Too familiar. You know, we just get too casual. And when we get too casual with the name of the Son of God, then, then we begin to take His word lightly. We, we give a little bit less royalty, as it would be, or, or elevation to this word when we just get a little too friendly. I mean, I mean you know, it's, it's like you, you go before, I mean, Queen Elizabeth is dead, but if you were before her before, you know, I mean, you, you would have kind of treated her with royalty. You, you wouldn't say, hey, Lizzie. You know, you wouldn't call her Lizzie. You know, you wouldn't do those things. That's, I mean, that's sweet, but you wouldn't have done that. And so it's one of the things, he is the Lord Jesus. He is the Lord Jesus. Jesus, once again, was his given name, but he is the Lord. He is the Lord. He was and is the God the Son, from, from before time until, until when we are long out of here and all into eternity, He is God the Son. He is the Lord. Now, He came and took on flesh as Jesus, but He never was not God. He was never not God. If we are to do all in His name, then we must remember who He is. He is our Lord. He is our Lord. And yeah, we, we, we want to many times just kind of act like he's our buddy. And, and he is our friend. He's our brother. And we're in his family. But he is Lord. There's a difference between you and him. He is Lord. He has lordship over our life, and so we are to obey him. We are to obey him. 
Jesus said, if you love me, which all of the children of God do. I mean, that's a profession that we love the Lord. He says this, you will keep my commands as he is Lord. So never let that word Lord leave your thoughts when you're thinking about Jesus. Lord Jesus. And so if, if you believe he is Lord, then we call him that. Grateful for that he has shed his blood for you. Thinking about all that he's done. So lastly here, we want to talk about the attitude, the giving thanks. Giving thanks through him to God the Father. Implication here is that you are thankful for what God has enabled or strengthened you to do. There's an attitude of thankfulness. You are dependent on him to do all those things, all of those things that we've talked about in the name of the Lord Jesus. You're never going to do that in your own power. There's got to be a, a, a spirit here of understanding where that power comes. And Paul is saying, you need to be thankful to God. There needs to be a spirit of thankfulness in you for all the things that God does. Later, Paul states in Colossians 3, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance, it is the Lord Jesus whom you serve. Now, what he's saying is you're going to receive a reward when you consecrate your life to the Lord Jesus. You're not going to receive that reward that reward is not going to be dependent upon what you have done, but it's going to be dependent upon what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you. I mean, there's a lot in that to understand that. And so there's a spirit of thankfulness that come out of us as we're doing all of these things. Remember, we are to consecrate our life to him. We're to seek holiness because of all of these things. He deserves our thankfulness. I mean, there's a reality. You're going to fail. You are going to fail, and you are going to sin. Therefore, your life would never be worthy of any inheritance. You're never going to be worthy of that. You owe thanks to God through Jesus Christ who made you worthy. Christ made you worthy. Christ made me worthy. Doing every word, every deed in the name of the Lord can be a drudgery at times unless we keep in our mind. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing it? We have to have the correct attitude. And so all of these things should be done in a spirit of thankfulness. As a thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done for me. Thank you, God, for Jesus himself. Giving thanks it, it, once again, just like the whatever you do is in the present tense, so it's an ongoing thing in our life. It's not just a thing that we did once. It's an ongoing reality. Thanksgiving should permeate our conversations. Thanksgiving should permeate our everyday life, everything that we do. Thanksgiving directed to God the Father because he is the creator. He is the giver of life. He is the giver of eternal life, and he does these things through his son. Jesus Christ. He, Christ, he's our mediator. He sits at the right hand of God. He speaks on our behalf. So whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever word that you have, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So I'm just, what are the implications of all of this? It just let me draw a couple things. How does or would this statement here that we have just said, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
giving thanks through him to God the Father. How would that impact your life tonight if every thought that you had, every word that you had, every deed that you have, that you do all, that you would do all in the name of the Lord? How would that change your life? Man, I, I mean, I, I just thought through that even earlier today. I thought, you know, if I could just keep that foremost in my mind, that would save me a lot of heartache. It'd probably save me a lot of repentance. Another thing I thought about, just think about one relationship that you're struggling with. Think about that one relationship with that person that you, man, it's just, no, whatever it does. Just think about what it would mean, what it would be like if both of you would do all in word and deed in the name of the Lord Jesus. I mean, wouldn't that be great? If that was their goal and your goal, see how that would change life? I mean, this, this is a statement that really changes life. It would change us how we deal with people, how we hold each other people. How much of an impact would, would you make in your realm of influence in your everyday life if you spoke and lived all the glory of God, to, to all of the glory of God in, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, of everything you're going to do tomorrow, of where you're walking, Whatever conversations you're going to have, you're going to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ with thanksgiving to God through him. How will that impact you tomorrow? How would living in thankfulness to God who chose you, saved you, and even sustained you impact your life now for good? How how would that help? How would that help? But then again, I started thinking, what if Jesus is not your Lord. What if you're here tonight and you're really struggling with that, that Jesus is not your Lord? Well, you know, as I thought about it, this is the greatest news ever. This is the greatest news ever. really is. You can cry out to him as Lord today, tonight, even. I mean, that's the reality of it. Scripture says, Romans 10, that if you confess with your mouth, what? Jesus as Lord. Jesus says, Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You know what will happen? You will be saved. And that's, that's the greatest news. That's the greatest news. That makes this whole thing so much, so reasonable, isn't it? I mean, that's the good news. You know, the greatest news is that the Lord Jesus will hear the earnest prayers of a sinner. Now, there's many people who are sorry for consequences of sin in their life, but I'm talking about the earnest prayers of a righteous man, of a man who is seeking forgiveness before the Lord. Romans 10, 13 goes on to say, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's good news. And you know, when he does those things, then he will empower you to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power and the strength that you've given us to obey what your word has told us this evening, that we could have power to to use our words, to use our deeds, dear God, to bring glory and honor to you. We can't do this in our own flesh, dear God, in so many different ways. Our flesh minimizes our impact to the world around us. Father, I would pray tonight that you would help each and every one of us.
that name the name of the Lord Jesus, that he is their Savior tonight, that, Father, they would challenge their own, their own self this week in their own heart, their own mind, dear God, to do all that you have commanded us to do, that, that we would take our conversations, that we would take our actions and model them, do them all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's his precious name, the name of the Lord Jesus, that we pray. Amen.